Welcome to Fifth Admission. I'm Dominic Fracasa. Millions of dollars from the federal government that were supposed to help small businesses ride out the pandemic went instead to dozens of California lobbying firms. It appears to be another example of flaws in the rollout of the Paycheck Protection Program. The program was a lifeline for millions of American businesses affected by pandemic lockdowns. But scrutiny of the program has found it was also rife with flaws and oversights, leading some firms, like state lobbying organizations, to receive PPP loans, despite being ineligible for them in some cases. Here to help us understand what happened here is Chronicle State Capitol reporter Alexi Kosif. Hi, Alexi. Hey, thanks for having me on. So I guess this is a bit of a a long and winding road here. Take take it from the top, if you would. So how many of these state lobbying firms got these PPP loans, and how much of it did they get? So just to set the stage, there are hundreds of firms that every year are involved in lobbying the state government at all levels, from the governor's office to the legislature to state agencies. And some of them do that full time and they make millions of dollars of it. And some are teeny tiny little firms or they just peek their heads in on a couple of issues. And, you know, there's just this whole sort of industry around it. Right. So it started out with this question that had come to me of firms that might have improperly gotten PPP loans in the second round when there was a question on the application that said that you had to certify that you were not a lobbying or political consulting firm. Self-certify, right? You had to do that. Self-certify. Okay. And as I started looking into that and, and researching that, I found out that, in fact, that rule had been in place from the beginning, that the uh, Small Business Administration has had rules for decades that no lobbying or political consulting firms can get SBA loans. And the Paycheck Protection Program, this uh, pandemic aid program that was put in place, was being administered and backed by the SBA. So none of these firms should have been eligible in the first place. So I started going through and looking through these hundreds of firms And I found dozens of them that had gotten these PPP loans. And they ranged from several of the 10 highest grossing lobbying firms in 2020, which bring in more than, you know, uh, in some cases, more than five, six million dollars worth of lobbying payments in a single year, uh, you know, down to some very small ones. And I decided at some point, okay, let me cut it off around half a million dollars and just look at 35 firms above that level that had a PPP loan and start going through and just reaching out to them, talking to them, figuring out what happened here, right? And through that discussion, a couple of threads emerged. One was that there's a lot of these firms that said they were actually eligible because lobbying made up only a fraction of their business. They were primarily law firms or consulting firms or other kinds of things. And and so they said, by those rules, we should be eligible. Lobbying doesn't make up the primary part of our business. But there were others who said, what? You know, I came to them and they had no clue. Uh, I was essentially informing them for the first time 
that according to these SBA regulations, they were ineligible. And that opened up a whole other line of questioning of what happened here, what went wrong, and how did these firms get that money if they weren't supposed to? It's, I mean, amusing in a sense to think about these lobbyists with, you know, being informed for the first time with your phone call that they were actually ineligible for this money. But how much of this issue do you think is attributable to, you know, the fog of COVID, if you will, just the the complete chaos that, you know, followed the pandemic and the lockdowns and the shattering economic effects that were sort of attendant to all of that. And then, of course, the government's scramble to try to help these businesses out. Like, how, how much of that do you think was a, a, a contributing factor? By all accounts, that was a huge contributing factor. I talked to people on a lot of different levels of this. I talked to some, you know, government ethics experts and lawyers and the people who applied for the loans themselves. And, you know, there there was confusion at a lot of different levels. The regulations that made lobbying firms ineligible for these PPP loans, it's it's a government code that is sort of referenced in passing in the long regulations that were put out about PPP early on. So if you didn't know what that was referring to and you didn't bother to look it up, it's very easy to overlook that, right? So there's questions about was there poor communication on the federal government's part? Should they have done a better job of making clear who couldn't get this money? Because there's other kinds of of businesses that were in a similar position, strip clubs, life insurance providers, real estate developers. I mean, it's sort of a random <laughs> collection of of industries. But also, you know, there's a responsibility here for people to do their research. Banks were also supposed to be checking to make sure that these PPP loans that they were helping service uh, that the applicants were eligible, and it's clear in some cases that they didn't do their homework, you know, as financial institutions. And, you know, the the government, at, at a fundamental level, in a rush to get this money out the door, it didn't necessarily have the correct checks and verifications in place to ensure this money was going to those who needed it most. As As you referenced earlier, what we're talking about here is a little tiny slice of money, a few million dollars in in a grand scheme of a program of hundreds of billions. But there's been a lot of reporting about other improper loans that were even larger, you know, money that went to publicly traded corporations and and other kinds of businesses for whom this money was never intended. And the point of showcasing this little slice is to say, look, if if you know, we missed the mark on this. We easily could have missed the mark on on a lot of other, you know, loan applications and millions of dollars. Speaking of those millions of dollars, is there any sense of what's going to happen to to some of this money that was improperly loaned to to state lobbying firms and law firms? I mean, is there any is there any precedent for you know the government recouping money that was improperly distributed, or what what happens now? Do we have any sense of that? That is not something I was really able to get a clear answer about from the federal government. One of the things that's you know worth noting here is that not only were these lobbying firms able to get this money in the first place, but they were also able to get their loans forgiven. So 
these checks did not happen at multiple stages in the process. And now we're talking about a whole other process if they're going to be getting that money back, right? Because the federal government, in most cases, has already said, great, you know what, you don't have to repay it. So already it's a question of whether they would even go back and try and recoup this money. In a statement, the Small Business Administration said they that their office of in the inspector general was going to be pursuing fraud cases for people who had tried to, you know, use fraudulent means to get PPP loans, but they did not clarify to me whether they considered it fraudulent if somebody accidentally applied for a PPP loan that they weren't eligible for. And also, you know, essentially whether they would pursue cases other than, you know, those that are directly reported to them. I mean, it's not clear to me if they are taking any kind of steps to proactively look for mistakes in this program and get that money back. So at the end of the day, it may be that everybody just sort of gets to keep the money that they weren't supposed to get in the first place. Just a little bit of a mulligan on that one. Uh, Well, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break right now and come right back to talk more with Chronicle staff writer Alexi Kossif. But before we go, Fifth and Mission host Cecilia Lay will be hosting a virtual panel discussion on homelessness in Oakland on November 18th. She'll be joined by Chronicle reporters, community experts, and Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff. You can be there by registering at sfchronicle.com slash membership. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. So, Alexi, when you called some of these lobbying firms and you said, hey, by, by all accounts here, it looks like you may have improperly received some of these PPP loans. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what some of the reactions were that you received? It was a range. Some were surprised. They said they had no idea that they were potentially ineligible that they had thought they had done everything right, followed the steps. Some some tried to push back on the premise, you know, suggesting that perhaps because they were state lobbying firms instead of federal lobbying firms that they were eligible. No evidence of that, according to the SBA. Uh, you know, I, I mean, there were certainly different kinds of excuses. A lot said that, hey, look, we're, you know, Lobbying is actually just a fraction of what we do. We checked, we're eligible, you know, we're not concerned about this. It's hard because at the end of the day, I was not able to open up somebody's ledgers and look for myself to see whether that's true. I think, you know, there's there's certainly some also nebulous sort of definitions of of what counts for lobbying, although Certainly, I think you could say as as a fundamental thing, it's what they report to the state every year as lobbying payments. Um, but, you know, the biggest challenge in all of this is that a lot of the firms didn't get back to me at all. And I tried to reach them multiple times and they just ignored my questions. So, 
you know, at this point, it's hard to pinpoint an exact number of how many were actually ineligible and how much money they may have improperly received. But, you know, it could be up to about two dozen, it seems like. Mm. My last question is is sort of an attempt to zoom out of this picture all the way, Alexi. I mean, you know, go, going back to after the first round of these loans went out last year, there was really a, a flood of stories that highlighted businesses like some of the large publicly traded corporations that you mentioned, like you know, businesses that are sort of run or at least fronted by a wealthy celebrity like like Tom Brady's business, right? When when those types of firms received these loans, there was a certain amount of public outrage about that. There there is this sense of of deservedness that is tied into this, for lack of a better word. So I'm just curious about this question of who deserves this government money in in a in an international crisis, right? I mean, and how did how, if at all, did that question of of deservedness sort of play into you know how you framed this story, how you went about your reporting? I, in this case, don't want to make a case about who should or shouldn't be getting the money. That is something that the government has already decided, right? At a long time ago when they made these regulations that said SBA loans won't go to lobbying and political firms. So in this case, it's really more a question of did people follow the rules or perhaps even more importantly, did the government fall down in its duty to, you know, adhere to its own program? And I think that's maybe the more important question a lot of these firms are legitimately small businesses, sometimes with only a few employees. So by other standards, they probably do fit the mold of what technically this Paycheck Protection Program was was trying to accomplish. And at the time, you know, in spring 2020, when we all had no clue what was going to come from this pandemic, and they didn't know how their business would be affected. Some told me they were legitimately terrified about what, you know, these coronavirus shutdowns might mean for their lobbying businesses, that the capital wasn't open and lawmakers were back home locked down but like everybody else. It turned out in the end that a lot of that stuff was able to get done virtually and many of them did not lose as much money last year as they might have thought. And in retrospect, maybe they weren't the neediest, most deserving recipients of those loans. That's something that people can debate. But fundamentally, if you set up a program that's supposed to benefit certain people and the wrong businesses are getting those loans, that just means there's less money to go around for those whom it is supposed to be for. Well, Alexi, uh, thank you so much for your reporting on this issue, uh, and it's great to speak with you. Thanks for having me on. Our thanks again to Alexi Kosif for speaking with us today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening to Fifth and Mission. I'm Dominic Fercasa. Thank you.